Hi, this is Piper Laurie. I'm on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Get ready. It's time for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zimrak. This is episode 440 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we have an amazing guest joining us. Piper Laurie is going to be joining us. Of course, she was in Children of a Lesser God, The Hustler with Newman and uh, Jackie Gleason and also in Carrie, where she scared the crap out of me. <laughs> so, And, of course, she was in Twin Peaks and The Thornbirds, and just on and on and on. She's been nominated for Oscars, won Golden Globe, and she's uh, also been nominated for numerous Emmys. So get ready. Piper Laurie is going to be coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond, and she's going to be making an appearance this Saturday, January 14th, in Orinda, California, at the Orinda Theater. You don't want to miss it if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area. You want to check this out because she is going to be there. They're going to show Carrie, and they're going to show The Hustler. Carrie at 5 and The Hustler at 8. And it's a beautiful theater. You want to check it out at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California. But they're going to have a Q&A, too, so you can talk to... Uh, uh, Piper and get all the backstory and everything else. But we got an interview with her in case you can't make it. It's right here on On Screen and Beyond coming up shortly. And we've got a lot of things going on, but let's get right into it. It's time for Remake Madness on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, we've got uh, a live action remake of Mulan that we've talked about before that's coming our way from Disney and they're looking now at November 2nd 2018 for the release date in theaters and let's see William Defoe is uh, joining the cast of the Murder on the Orient Express remake they're really making this into a, a big motion picture and November 22nd 2017 will be the release date on that one and on December 22nd Mark Wahlberg takes over Lee Major's role in the $6 billion man. It's not $6 million anymore. That's, that's chump change. It's $6 billion man. <laughs> and, of course, uh, he's going to be playing Steve Austin, who was played originally by Lee Majors, and Lee's been a guest here at On Screen and Beyond. You can go back and listen to Lee talk about $6 million man. But uh, Mark Wahlberg, $6 billion man. And uh, it just keeps going up and up. And that's it for Remake Madness, coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies. Well, let's see. How's this one? Ryan Reynolds, Samuel L. Jackson, Selma Hayek, and Gary Oldman. All together, they're going to be starring in The Hitman's Bodyguard on August 18th, 2017. What a... What a cast that is. That's incredible. And let's see. March 3rd, Anna Kendrick will star in Table 19 as uh, the maid of honor in a wedding gets a call from the best man. And uh, he tells her that she is no longer going to be the maid of honor. He's been given the task of telling her that. 
And she's decided that she's still going to go to the wedding. So she shows up and she is put at the dreaded table 19, the one way in the back with all the other random guests. Sounds like a funny one. That's on March 3rd, so check that one out. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen to Be On, it's down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Sequel City, it looks like the Han Solo Star Wars movie is slated to hit theaters. Here's the date, May 25th, 2018. And Ant-Man and the Wasp will be arriving in theaters on July 6th, 2018. And, of course, Mary Poppins returns. After all these years, she's going to be making her way to theaters on December 25th, 2018. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? TV on DVD, well, we've got a lot of things coming your way. February 7th, you can look for From Dust Till Dawn, the series, Season 3. It's going to be hitting Blu-ray and DVD. And The Love Boat, Season 3, Volume 1 and Volume 2 will be arriving on January 17th. I have a copy right here of each, right in my greasy little hands. And uh, it's, it's always fun to watch that, so uh, be sure to check that out. And Veep, the complete fifth season, will be landing on Blu-ray and DVD on April 11th. And on February 14th, Beavis and Butthead, the complete collection, comes our way. And that's going to be in a 12-disc set. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen or Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? Movies on DVD. Trolls will be hitting digital HD on January 24th and Blu-ray and DVD on February 7th. On February 14th, Arrival will be flying into stores on Blu-ray and DVD starring uh, Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. And Disney's Moana with Dwayne Johnson. Arrives on March 7th. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, Empire has been renewed for a fourth season over at Fox. And over at Disney, Girl Meets World has been canceled. There will be no fourth season for that show. And sadly, there's been way too many of these that we've had to announce here at On Screen and Beyond. But uh, Francine York, past guest, of course, here on On Screen and Beyond. And you can go back in our, our rerun section and listen to uh, her interview we had with her. But she has passed away at the age of 80. She, of course, was on uh, The Doll Squad and also uh, had an appearance on Batman the TV show. So uh, she had a lot to talk about. Uh, go ahead and listen to that episode. And that's it for TV and entertainment time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's Celebrity Birthday. We baked you a birthday cake. If you get it to me, eh? And you moan and groan and woe. 
forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> Celebrity birthdays, January 14th, LL Cool J. He's going to be turning 49, and Faye Dunaway turns 76. And on January 15th, Pitbull turns 36. January 17th, Betty White keeps going strong. She's 95, and Jim Carrey will be 55. January 18th, Kevin Costner turns 62. And on January 19th, Dolly Parton turns 71. And January 20th, it looks like director David Lynch turns 71. And that's it for celebrity birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, Will T turns 43 on January 16th. And he is in, uh, let's see, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And that's it. For listener and celebrity birthdays, if you, a friend or a relative, are having a birthday and want to share it with all of us listeners here at On Screen and Beyond, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and we will all wish you a very happy birthday. And that's it. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we have Piper Laurie joining us. And if you have not seen the original Carrie, the original one now, and seen her performance in that, or if you have not seen The Hustler, which was back in 1961 with Paul Newman and George C. Scott and uh, Jackie Gleason. And it's just a, a riveting film. You want to check that out. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, you can not only see those films, Carrie and The Hustler, on uh, January 14th at the Urinda Theater, but you can also meet Piper Laurie. She's going to be there, and she will be having a Q&A after each film and it's going to be a lot of fun, so be sure to check that out. Piper Laurie, she's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. My guest today on On Screen and Beyond is a Golden Globe winning actress who also has three Oscar nominations and numerous Emmy nominations. She has mesmerized us in films including The Hustler, Carrie, Children of a Lesser God, and she captivated us in Twin Peaks and so many other TV shows. Now on Saturday, January 14th, she will be appearing at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California for a Q&A after showing of two of her films, and she will also be inducted into the classic Film Hall of Fame. It's Piper Laurie. Piper, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe as long as we're talking, you can fill me in on the schedule because I don't, I'm not. <laughs> okay. Uninformed. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know I'm flying there and uh, driving there. Uh, but uh, tell me when when things happen. Well, uh, from what I know, uh, and, and I'm not the, the authority on this, but uh, the schedule is showing that at 5 o'clock, on uh, the fourteenth, you will be. Uh, they will be playing Carrie, and then you're going to have a Q and A. And then at eight o'clock, the, the Hustler will be playing, and uh, you'll have a Q and A after that one too. Okay. Okay. But, but any <laughs> other details, I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. But your career has been so so many great films that you've done and TV shows. Uh, and, and now you know you're going to be at the the Arinda Theater for people to see it and. And 
I don't know how many theaters you go to, you know, through your career, but the Arinda Theater is one of those theaters that it's the classic style. It's not the new multiplex and all that stuff. It's one of those beautiful theaters with the decor and everything. I, I, you're going to love it there. I know you will. That's great. I love those theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, as far as, well, the, the films that they're going to be showing, uh, let's start off with, with Carrie. That's uh, going to be on at 5 o'clock. Uh, Carrie is, uh, for years I watched horror movies. I loved horror movies. and uh, But but Carrie was different. It was, and, and you were fantastic in it. I just, <laughs> you you played a crazy woman very well. <laughs> Well, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. (laughs) I never thought of it as a horror movie, to tell you the truth. Yeah, really, yeah, that's true. Uh, So so how did you get involved with it first? Well, um, it was very peculiar because I hadn't been working. I'd been living in upstate New York and hadn't made a movie in 15 years. The last movie was The Hustler. Mm -hmm. Wow. And... um, and I just got a phone call out of the blue from a woman who used to represent me, and she said, I have a script here I'd like to send to you. Um, it's a new director named Brian De Palma. And uh, so they they mailed me the script, and I read it, and I didn't much like it. I <laughs> And my, my husband at the time said, well, you know, De Palma has a comedic approach to most of the work that he does. And so I thought, oh, I've misread it. And I, I reread it. And I thought, oh, it must be a satire. And so I thought there was, that would be interesting. And I took the train into Manhattan and met with Brian De Palma. And I liked him. And I guess he liked me, too. And I took the train back. And by the time I got home, I heard that he really wanted me for the movie. But I didn't find out till years later that someone I had met and knew very slightly uh, in New York, uh, was then working at United Artists and whispered my name in De Palma's ear when they were kind of at the end of their search trying to figure out who would be the mother. And she said, well, you know, Piper Laurie. How about Piper Laurie? She said, oh, she's she's too young. And um, she, he said, I just saw her in, in uh, The Hustler. And she said, Ryan, that was 15 years ago. He said, oh, so on the basis of that, I came and I met him, and that's how I got the part. Mm-hmm. I really, and that woman was Marsha Nassiter, um, who really I, I owe a lot to for, for mentioning my name at that time. Wow, yeah. And it, Brian De Palma's films are so, I mean, they draw you in. How was it working for, for a director like him? I was working with him. Um, he was very um, um, laid back, very, um, oh, that's my computer making a little noise. <laughs> um, uh, he was um, helpful, and and um, when I, he was kind of perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, didn't push me around or... Uh, and and he, he was very open to any kind of suggestion I might have. Yeah. Are, are, are directors a lot different? I mean, are, like you say, didn't push you around. Are there some directors that are pushier than others? Oh, well, when I was younger, they really loved pushing me around. You know, they, <laughs> they always assume young people don't know anything. Mm-hmm. 
And I had a lot of strong opinions, but nobody believed me when I expressed them. You know, they sort of, oh, thank you very much. But um, as you get older, it doesn't matter if you're any good or as long as you're older, they'll listen to you. And and a lot of times just mm, take what you you have to say. And it's really pathetic because young people have wonderful ideas. But I, I used to get pushed around a lot. Wow. When I first started my career, I was at Universal for six years. And um, and I had to do everything they asked me to do. And a lot of silly movies. I guess people enjoyed them. But uh, they embarrassed me. I had expectations of doing better work than that. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember I had this one script um Kelly and me, I think that's what it is. And it was the second time I'd worked with someone who's revered now. Um, God, maybe it's best that I don't mention his name. Because <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> he didn't get along. Um, he's, he's a European director who's very, very respected, and he's really very good. But I had a stupid part, and I had trouble. I always have trouble memorizing Lines that are badly written, or, or if I don't really believe in the character, mm-hmm. yeah. and there was one line that I had to say that was, I just couldn't get it out. I kept forgetting it, and, and uh, Douglas Sirk, that's what I'm trying to think, Douglas Sirk, and he just lost his patience with me, and he carried on and asked the the um, prop man to bring in a, lo- a blackboard, and he wrote my words on it. I'm so humiliated. Oh, and uh, I did not like him. I thought that was a, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess, you know, he felt he had to move things along there, yeah. but I did not enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but they, they loved doing that. You know, if I had a suggestion or I remember on my very first movie, I was eight, just, just turned 18 and the part was kind of a caricature of a teenager. Um, and I I knew how to work on really good proven material from the theater. Um, but this one I just couldn't 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 figure out what to do. And so I went to the director, my very first movie director, and I said, uh, you know, what give me some help here. I I don't know how to handle this and he said, oh, Piper, don't worry. Just learn your lines and don't worry it. And I thought that was outrageous. I thought he'd be like the teacher and director in my acting class. Mm, yeah. Huh. <laughs> um, so I was on my own, really, for about five, six years. Wow. Huh. Um, no, I, it didn't I, give me any time to study or to do theater or or to, even when people wanted to borrow me to go to another studio for a, a reasonably intelligent movie they they wouldn't they wouldn't loan me and so i finally after almost six years i fought and fought and fought and finally got my broke my contract so it was that- i had to do a couple of pictures for them one a year for three years for almost no money and and um but i had my freedom and then i started to do not not right away because nobody would hire me i had such a horrible reputation as a stupid, silly actress who did a lot of publicity. So I finally, after about a year, I got a part in a television show, and then a live television, which changed my 
my career and my life. What Do you remember what show that was? Yes, it was called Robert Montgomery Presents. Oh, okay, yes. And um, I, it was just so frightening to do it, and I, I had to rely on all the courage I could muster and got through it, and, and uh, I remember Joe Manquitz, a great director, writer-director, um, saw my performance, and that kind of changed my life, too. And then I got hired for lots of live television shows after that. Mm. And then I did some plays on Broadway. And um, Was live TV back then similar to doing a, a play? Yes, except it was scarier. It was like opening night, ten times the degree of courage necessary for an opening night. And I used to pray sometimes that something would happen to me. I'd, I'd step off the curb and the truck would stay, <laughs> so that I wouldn't have to face the live that that night. Oh. <laughs> now, did they have live studio audiences when, when they did those? No, no. There was no room for it because they would oh. block out, build sets, and you would just rush from one set to another um, as quietly as possible and change behind backdrops or and I'd have costumes hanging from hooks and and um a dresser to help me and it was um sometimes the activity behind the scenes was perhaps more interesting than what, <laughs> what was being recorded. I well it wasn't being recorded, that's the thing. All those shows were kinescoped. Right. So when you see that some of them have lasted and but the the quality of the picture isn't like it is nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Days of Wine and Roses gets played from time to time, and I know it's available too um, for yeah. somebody to to buy. Mm-hmm. But it's people have to understand that it was the the kinescope technique was very different from a, a recording on tape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like I said, Carrie. I never jump, so I won't give away too much in case. I mean, everybody's seen it probably, but I just, you know, the toward the end, I never jumped in a movie more than I did in that movie. <laughs> well, me too. I, I didn't know it was going to be there either. <laughs> so yeah. I was sitting in the audience and saw it for the first time. Uh-huh. Oh, boy, it got me too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I was pretty usually pretty solid in a movie, and, and nothing jilted me too much. But, boy, that, <laughs> I got to admit, that one got me. <laughs> That got me I, as much as um, a moment or two in uh, Psycho, the first time I saw ah, it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, so, um, the Hustler, how, how did you get into that one? Was that the part of the, the studio putting you into that, or did you have to audition for it? No, I didn't. I I still don't know why he picked me, but he had seen me perform in a, um, a one-act play, two-act one-act plays that... I was asked to participate in as a um, at the actor's studio in the writers directors unit. Uh, Molly Kazan uh, had written these plays, and we rehearsed them and and put them on at the studio. And then later on, we we put them on off Broadway, um, and and it ran for a few months. Uh, I didn't know it, but Robert Rawson had seen me in the in the play, when it was done at the actor's studio, one of his daughters had brought 
brought him to see the performances. And uh, I still can't figure out how he connected me with The Hustler. But um, months later, when we were playing off-Broadway, he came backstage with the script, and he handed it to me and, and asked me to, to read it. And, and I took a few weeks to read it. Unfortunately, my mother was... I was doing a play every night, and and my mother was visiting me from California, and I procrastinated, and I didn't... I was, I'd been dis- disappointed in so many scripts I'd read. So when I finally got to it, then I started reading in my... Page three or four, I thought, my God, this is fabulous. I don't even know what my part's going to be, but I want to be in it. Mm, My part didn't come in for another 40 pages, but I just uh, loved the idea. I loved the writing, and uh, it was so vivid in my mind as I read it. And so I met with, immediately I I called my agent. I said, please, I want to do this. so uh, that that's how that happened. An incredible cast. Uh, I mean, you know, it certainly was. Newman and, <laughs> and Jackie Gleason I've met and geez, I mean, Newman before very briefly because we connected in one little scene in um, a movie I did at MGM uh, with Gene Simmons. Um, Anyway, he, he uh, but we, I didn't really know him, and I'd never been really close to him. And that first day in the rehearsal hall, um, rehearsing The Hustler, and we, we read through the script for a number of days. Uh, and I think they blocked a few scenes as well, like they would in a live television show. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone was sitting around the table, including George C. Scott, who sat at the end of the table, and I sat opposite Paul Newman, mm-hmm. in case somebody didn't know who I was talking about. And um, I couldn't look at him. I couldn't look him in the face. It was just so ex- extraordinary. <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing. To, but it took about 10 days, two weeks, before I could accept him as just a normal, ordinary guy. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and he was... Just lovely, really decent. Yeah. So even actor, even I, you can get starstruck, right? <laughs> oh, well, I think everybody does. I I don't know anyone who really doesn't for somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, was that a good set to work on? Did, was, was that an enjoyable film? I wouldn't say it was enjoyable. It was very intense. Very fo- focused on the work. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to go on forever. I mean, I wasn't impatient with it. It seemed appropriate, but it seemed just a long... I don't even know how long it was, probably not longer than most, but it seemed very long and very intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, it, was acting what you always wanted to do, uh, or was there something else you were thinking of going into? It was the only thing that I could do. I I grew up as a very silent, extremely silent child who did not speak, communicate with people verbally. And um, I learned to recite a couple of monologues in an elocution class that my mother sent me to as as a last resort when I was uh, about 10. 
and uh, accidentally I was required to stand in front of my sixth grade class and memorize something. We all had to do that. So I already had this one of these monologues memorized. and So I chose to do that, and I had such great reception by the kids in the, in the class that it changed my life. Wow. And I realized that was something I could do. No. It's surprising how, you know, I mean, most of us think of actors and actresses as being so outgoing and everything. But the majority of the actors that I've had on the show over the years uh, are usually very shy, they said, they tell me. I think that that's, I think that's not unusual, you know. Um, I was kind of an extreme case, but it's not unusual at all. Yeah, huh. Yeah, I mean, that's what it seems like. I mean, now and more and more it seems that way from what, you know, all the people I've had on. But, uh, you know, I mean, of course, we as the viewers see you and you're doing these things that are uh, sometimes outrageous and, and everything. And we're sitting there saying, boy, this person's, you know, really uh, uh, outgoing. And, and then we find out that uh, they're, you know, they, they can be like us <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But uh, well, I, I know we're we're limited on time, but uh, I, I there's so many other things that you've done: Children of a Lesser God, uh, Twin Peaks, and uh, the Thorn Birds, and it just goes on and on. Is, is is there anything that is closest to your heart as the, as far as the movies or or TV shows that you've done that you that you really you know not not necessarily because of the acclaim or anything like that that came from them, but but just something that you felt was something that you are really glad that you made. Yes, there are a couple of things, and they didn't really get recognized for one reason or another. There was a very small movie I made in, in Australia uh, with um, Mel Gibson. It was, it was actually his first movie before he did Mad Max. Oh. Which, those movies came out before this one, which was called Tim, um, because um, it was a very soft movie, and and uh, Mel Gibson was not a, not known, and so, but it it's a it was a lovely movie that every once in a while someone will come and say that they'd seen it and how much they like it. Um, it's a it was um, <laughs> I mean the the plot sounds sort of disgusting, but. <laughs> <laughs> I was a, a, an extremely older woman who had, who, who's, well, I won't go on. But anyway, it's a beautiful, beautiful, simple movie. Hmm. And every once in a while it gets played, and that's nice. Uh, another movie that did, really didn't get seen much, and I don't understand because it had such a great cast, Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon, um, Sissy Spacek, 
who played my mean sister, and I played the sweet sister. This was in um, the Truman Capote novella, The Grass Harp. Oh, okay. Which was a very nice movie. Um, and the, the studio pulled it after about 10 days in the theaters. Didn't wow. support it at all. I think they were pissed off at, at Walter Matthau and his son. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I think, it, and I had a great part, and I'm sorry that it got lost. Uh, they, do you know if those movies are available? You know, on for people to either rent or or or. Oh yeah, purchase. they are. Both of them are the Grass Harp and also Tim. Wow! So, so you know that's why I love to hear because then people can go out and check them out and and see some of the works that meant something to you. So uh, that's always nice to hear. One other thing I have to mention: you mentioned some of your earlier work that uh, you know was a little silly, uh, but there was one that, uh, in particular, probably one of the first movies you made, I guess, was Francis Goes to the, to the Races with uh, Donald O'Connor. Yes. Yeah, I, I didn't know you were. I used to watch those movies. I remember those movies, <laughs> but I, I I didn't realize that you were in that. I made two movies. Which one did you mention? I didn't hear uh, the. Francis Goes to the Races. Oh, yes, I did. I hated doing that, to tell you the truth, except for the fact that I loved working with Donald. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, the first movie we did together, which was the actual second movie I'd ever done in my life, was called The Milkman. Yes. And I co-starred with Donald O'Connor and Jimmy Durante. Wow. <laughs> and I had to learn to do a little soft shoe in the park with Donald O'Connor. <laughs> About 50 years later, we played the movie at his house up in Sedona, and we watched, and as we were dancing the number, he said, oh, look how graceful you are. (laughs) 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 Oh, what a sweet guy he was. Yeah. So were you a dancer, or is this something you learned for the film? No, I had, no, my my agent had told them I could dance and sing. When they signed me, they usually <laughs> they'll, they'll sell you anything, right? <laughs> yeah, so okay. <laughs> oh, I and then later on they gave me another musical where I sang and danced five numbers, but I don't think it exists anymore. It's it's uh, I think a lot of the movie those movies were destroyed. Um, nobody will admit it, but uh, they, a lot of these are not available. Like. The Milkman, as far as I know. Yeah. And also the the musical Ain't Misbehavin' that I did five numbers in. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think one number survives, and somebody put it online um, when I say Ain't Misbehavin'. Um, I don't think the movies have exist anymore. No, and I can't get anybody to really track it down. That's a shame because, uh, I mean, you know, Film film history is something that uh, I think is important, and it's it's too bad that we lose some films like that. About ten fifteen years ago, I there was a fire out near Universal and Warner Brothers, and a storage facility of some sort burned down, and no one will admit what was in that storage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. but the rumor is that there were a lot of old films there, and. And that they're just gone. Mm, that's a shame. That's really yeah, a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. Yeah. I mean, not just from my movies. Right, yeah, just any movies, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, good, actually in good or bad, you know, because there's always something in, in, somebody had something 
a reason why they made a film. So to me, that's it's something that uh, you know it, it should be preserved. It's too bad when something like that happens. Yeah. But you now, Piper, I know, like I said, we I know we have to get going here, but uh, I do want to finish up with two final questions. And and taking uh, taking us away from your career, that it is a, a fantastic career. There's no doubt about that. But when you sit back and relax, what do you watch on TV? What's your favorite TV shows now? And oh, right now, I guess I'm just really, um, really very um, occupied with uh, the news shows, the politics, and. And to the point where I can't stand it anymore, and I have to go to Turner Classic Movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or well, um, Saturday mornings <laughs> to save my life. I watch. <laughs> God, don't let Doctor Chris pet that. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I'm in need of a dog. I haven't had a dog for so many years, and I really need to have one. And also, um, Lucky Pup, Lucky Dog, Lucky Dog. It's, um, and that's about um, this trainer who picks a, an animal from a shelter and trains it specifically for someone. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, I love watching anything to do with animals and yeah. training them. What about uh, movies? Confessing my, my <laughs> sins here. That's all right. What about movies? Uh, what movies do you enjoy now, and what's your favorite movies you know of all time that you would you? Well, cannot you know, I've been told. Occupied with the um, the election mm-hmm. um, and the aftermath, uh, I I have I've missed a lot of a lot of the movies. But one I did really admire um, was um, oh god um, one word titled beautiful movie Moonlight. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and I must say, I, just before we started to talk, I was watching uh, a news a news show that covered the um, the farewell to Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you got to see it. No, I haven't. No. Oh, it was. If you have a chance, it's very moving. I don't know where you land politically, but it was a very moving ceremony and very nice. Yeah. I almost didn't make it to the telephone to call you. <laughs> do, do you have a, a favorite movie that you, an old movie that you know every time it's on, you if if you see it, you have to watch it. That type of thing. Do you have a favorite? Movie? Uh, let's see. I love How Green Was My Valley. Oh yes, classic. Um. Oh God, there were always so many that. Um. Um. Um, I, I really should have a list here, but I don't. And mm-hmm. that's okay. That's all right. But uh, you, did you lean more toward, uh, you know, like uh, musicals or or thrillers or any well, dramas? I, or? Not musicals, except a few weeks ago, I was delighted to see one. One of my favorite movies as a very young girl. It was with Betty Grable, who I adored as a as a little girl and teenager. It was in the Dolly Sisters, she and June Haver. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just really appalled. I mean, it was I enjoyed it, and they were terrific. But I was appalled to find that uh, they did a number in blackface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it was quite acceptable in those days. Right, I was yeah. really shocked that it, yeah. 
different, different times. And obviously, different. accepted it myself as a ten-year-old. Right. Yeah. Well, Piper, uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And people that are in the Orinda, California, San Francisco area on January 14th, they can uh, meet you. And they will be showing at 5 o'clock Carrie and at 8 o'clock The Hustler. And there will be Q&As after each movie. And you'll be inducted into the Classic Film Hall of Fame. And I thank you so much, Piper, for joining us. Well, thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. A big thank you going out to Piper Laurie for joining us here on On Screen and Beyond. And she has just done so many films and TV shows and plays over the years. She's had an incredible career, and uh, it's just uh, an honor to have her here on the show. I appreciate that she took the time to talk to us. And if you are in the San Francisco Bay Area, like I said, be sure to check her out Saturday, January 14th at... 5 o'clock, they're showing Carrie at the Orinda Theater. And also on uh, 8 o'clock, they'll be showing The Hustler. So uh, two classic films. She also is going to be inducted into the Classic Film Hall of Fame. So be sure to check that out. If you're in that area, San Francisco Bay, it's uh, easy to get off at the Orinda if you're taking the um, the uh, Metro or whatever. And uh, if you're, it'll get you right there. I mean, you basically can get off at the station and then walk over to the theater. You can't miss it. It's got, it's an old style uh, movie theater. It's a beautiful place. Be sure to check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, hope you'll all be going there. And let's see what else do we have. We have a lot of uh, guests coming up here at On Screen and Beyond. Uh, it's getting very busy. Uh, I have a lot of things going on for the Bonji Bear movie that uh, is still being worked on. And uh, they uh, we're still writing songs for it and everything. So that'll be coming out hopefully by the summer. Uh, you know, that depends how things move along. But uh, I'll keep you updated on that as we get closer. Hopefully we can get some of the people who did voiceover work on the film and get them on here to talk about uh, their careers and everything. But uh, we're like I said, I'm still writing some of the songs for it, and I hope you're all going to take a peek at it. And uh, we have a, a teaser. I, I don't know if I put it up on the site. I, don't, I, I should do that, I guess. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, we are still having more guests here at On Screen and Beyond. Next week, uh, I believe we're going to be going into the music world, so be sure to be joining us. And uh, that's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Uh-huh.